Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a brand new message from our special guest speaker, Pastor Jonathan Bounds. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Thank you, Harrison. He's, he's really, really kind. And I hope that, uh, yeah, if it's subpar, we can at least sound good. <laughs> we just uh, are so grateful to be here. Um, as, he, as Harrison said, I came with my wife and son. My super creative, grace-filled wife, Tia, is here, and I love her. I'm really excited that they came along. We just got back from a trip like a couple of days ago, and so we just hit the ground and came right back. So I'm glad that they were able to come because we really are thankful for the relationships that God is building and uh, thankful for Harrison and Christy, Her- thankful for you guys, and I just already love you. I don't know. You know how it is. You just already love you. So we walk in the room, feel the Spirit of God. Have you ever been in another country where they're singing songs, worship songs that you don't understand, like it's, it's a language you don't speak? I don't know, some of you may have experienced that. You've been in the room, and they're singing songs you don't understand. You're trying your best to sing it. You sound like a fool. But you already feel more home there than you'd feel in, in West Ed. Like, you, you feel home. And it's just the spirit of God. It's the family of God. It's the most beautiful thing. And when you experience that, you can't deny that there's something real here. There's something real in the body of Christ that is more than just that, well, we get together and talk about stuff or, you know, uh, you know we, we try to help each other live good lives. Like there is a, there's something the Holy Spirit has done in his body that has created a family from nothing. Like, well, not from nothing, from everything. He's created a family and he brought you into it. And so it's wonderful when we get to come and like stand here for a second and go, wow, this is family. And that's what we feel right now. And so I'm thankful for that. Thank you for welcoming God. Because when you welcome God, you welcome people. Because God loves people, doesn't he? The Holy Spirit is the one that draws people. So we're never afraid of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that draws people. When we welcome him, we welcome the Spirit of God. Really, people are drawn to that. People are drawn to the Spirit. And so I I trust that even today as we felt that, I'm trusting that if there's anyone who's like brand new to this or just wandered in, um, know that God drew you here and he drew you for a reason. And for those of you that are here all the time, I believe God drew you here as well. I want to start out. I didn't intend to talk about this, but I just want to start out with a thought from Ephesians. Um, If you've ever read Ephesians, you feel like you're getting smacked in the face with majesty. You know, it's just big stuff that requires big thought and big prayer and big time. You know, you can't just breeze through Ephesians and say, I think I got the gist. You got to take your time with it. In Ephesians chapter 1, he's talking about all these things that, you know, he's praying that your heart would be flooded with light. You'd be enlightened to know what is the hope of his calling, the the riches of his inheritance and the saints. He talks about all of this. And then he talks about what Jesus did and how he's been seated in heavenly places. We just sang about that, how he's been put over everything. And then it says this, that God gave him, Jesus, as the head of the body. He gave him as the head over the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. And that's a major thought for us because what he's saying is, is number one, you know this, we're the body of Christ. Well, we say that without sometimes thinking about what that means. We are the body of Christ. We're not a body. We're not a duplicate. We're the body of Christ. We're the body he left here. There's not another one coming. There's no backups. We're it. 
This is our time. This is it. This is, we're here, right? And so, I mean, yeah, there's going to be more people born. There's going to be more people saved, but we're the body Jesus left on the earth. And he doesn't just come and sweep up your mess and say, well, they're not doing it. So I'll come physically again. And this isn't the second coming. This is just a pre-second coming because they're making a mess. This is it. We're it. And it says the church is his body, the fullness. If you think about it, there's nothing lacking in fullness. Everything Jesus is, the fullness of him. The church is not meant to be a pale reflection of Jesus. It's meant to carry the fullness of Jesus. The fullness of him, listen to this, who fills all and is in all. Jesus wants to fill St. Albert. He wants to fill Edmonton. He wants to fill your workplace. He wants to fill your school. He wants to fill these places. And his method of doing it is the church. We're his method of filling it. So one of our mottos back home is that, you know, Lord, that we would be filled to the full with the fullness of Christ, that we might fill our world with the fullness of Christ. Not just tell people about Jesus. Now, thank God for that. Not just tell them, but, but bring Jesus. And when we say that, I think the thing that we encounter is a feeling of inadequacy so often. How can I bring Jesus? How can I bring everything that he needs? Surely there's somebody at my church who's got something more than I have. Surely there's a guest speaker. Surely there's somebody who's got an anointing for it. You know, and, and we, we discount what God has put in us. And so I want to read you something uh, from the book of Matthew. And I'd love for you to turn there with me. If you've got a Bible with you, go to Matthew chapter 10. When Jesus sent out the disciples, many of you know this story. Jesus is preparing them, so he sends them out. He, he's, they've followed him around, and, and there's just such a great leadership class that Jesus teaches in the sense that he lets them follow him around and watch him for a while. Then he lets them do stuff while he's around. Then he tells them to do stuff when he's not around. So he's like giving them steps and levels to stepping out. Then he leaves them with the church. But in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, it says, These 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them, don't go into the way of the Gentiles. Don't enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you've received, now freely give. I'm sure most of you have read that, thought that was a huge statement. Like he didn't just say, go preach the kingdom. Every now and then, you might see a miracle. Like he made the miracle stuff normal. And then he said, freely you've received, freely give. See, that, that last statement is so big for every single one of us. Freely you've received, freely give. I wonder how many of us really believe we've received anything. Or we believe we've received salvation. We, we, we actually believe we've received the things we've experienced, but we're not sure we've received something to give. Because how many times have we asked ourselves, what do I actually have to bring to the table? What do I have to offer? What do I have to give? I, I know Pastor Harrison's got something to give. I know this person's got something to give. I know my friend's got something to give, but, but they went to Bible school or, or, or you know, they, they had somebody lay their hands on them and they've got something special. They got some, some of that special spirit juice on them. I don't know what it is, but it, it, you know, they got it. But what do I have? Challenge is a lot of us don't really know how to freely give because we've never really learned how to freely receive. What does freely mean? I mean, it means without, of course, without cost, without charge. The disciples didn't go, you know, five bucks will get you a message, 10 bucks will get you a healing. 
15 will get you deliverance. You want the whole package, 25? No, they didn't do that. So, of course, it means without charge, but, but you got to think bigger than the just we're not charging for the gospel. It, it means without cost, but it means without limit. Freely can mean a, it means a lot. It means, you know, we, it, it, you, didn't, you couldn't earn it, you couldn't buy it, you couldn't pay for it, but it also means you can't limit it. It's, not, it's freely. It's not, it's not capped. It's not budgeted. It's freely. You know, the Bible talks about Jesus having the spirit without measure. There was no end to that. And so when you think about the scripture that we quoted at the beginning, where it says the church is the fullness of him, we can't put caps on what Jesus can do through us or through his church. Because what you're doing is you think, well, I'm just, no, I'm just being humble. No, you're not. You're putting a cap on Jesus. You are putting a budget on Jesus. You are saying, this is as much as he can do in my neighborhood. This is as much as he can do in my workplace. And what we need to begin to do is be able to just take those limits off and say, God, I know that this place needs you. And they don't just need a touch. They don't need just an image. They need to be full. They need your fullness. And I know your method of filling my city is through your church. And so I'm part of that. I'm not the whole thing. I'm a part. But I have a part to play. I know for, for a big chunk of my life, listen, I was a church kid. So... I was a pastor's son, so big thing for me growing up was this sense of, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this, but feeling like you, if you did all the right things in the right times, if you, if you checked all the boxes, God would use you. Now, I know there's responsibility. I know there's things you do need to do, but it was a big lesson for me to learn is that nothing that God's going to do through me is a result of my own labor, but it's a result of his now, do I have to labor? Absolutely. Paul said this. He said, I'm the least qualified to be called an apostle. And most of us would say, okay, then step back. Like, step down. If you're not qualified, step down. Like, would you ever like, you know, somebody who's about to operate on you, a doctor says, you know, I'm the least qualified to do this. Well, then don't. You know, let me, let me out. Stop the gas. You know, this isn't going to go. But Paul says, I'm the least qualified to be called an apostle and he talks about because he persecuted the church, he felt he disqualified himself. But he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the empowering, where, he, where I'm weak, he's strong. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And he says, and his grace did not prove in vain to me, for I worked harder than anyone else. So Paul said, I did have to work. But he said, then he goes and he says, but it wasn't me working. It was the grace of God working with me. So what Paul was having to say was, you know, I had to say yes to Jesus. I had to put my will into it. What did, what did he say in Philippians? Work out what God's put in you. Work out that salvation. He didn't say work for it, but work it out. Work out that salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. It is God who's working in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. When you begin to just say, okay, well, God, you're doing something. You learn how to freely receive. I think the challenge for me growing up was I didn't know how to freely give because I never learned how to freely receive until I had that revelation. Now, my parents did a great job of teaching it, but sometimes you have all the right things said to you, and you just have to come to that revelation yourself. You may have heard that sermon a million times, but you have to come to the, that revelation of like, maybe the reason that I'm having trouble forgiving someone is because I haven't freely received forgiveness from God. Because I don't freely receive it, I don't freely give it away. Maybe the reason that I, 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 I'm, I'm intimidated in a situation where I feel I'm inadequate is it because I haven't freely received, I haven't said, Lord, just use me. 
I know you can. I know you want to. So here I am. Freely you've received, now freely give. Of course, they, they did. And the Bible talks about two separate occasions, but there were more than that. But he really highlights two separate occasions where he sent them out. This one where he sent the 12, another time when he sent the 70. You ever read the, you ever read the scripture where he says, the uh, harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the path. You ever read that scripture and then we pray that? Do you know as a Christian kid, here's how we prayed that. We prayed that when we didn't want to witness to someone, we wanted someone else to do it. So we prayed that Lord, that Lord send laborers into their path. <laughs> Lord, you know my best friend that I see every day? Lord, my heart breaks for him. God, he needs to know you. So Lord, my best friend that I see every day that I'm about to go for coffee with him, Lord, send a laborer into his path, Lord. Who, I don't know who it is. God, it could be anybody. You're God, so it could be anybody, but just send somebody, somebody, Lord, somebody. I mean, hear my cry, Lord. Hear my prayer. Send somebody. I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord. I just don't know how. We would kind of use that as a cop-out, right? Jesus told us to pray it, but we prayed it as a cop-out. But when Jesus told them to pray it, what does he say right after? In one of the Gospels, you know, it tells that story in a couple different Gospels, but in one of them, he tells them to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into the field. The next verse, he says, okay, go, I'm sending you out. That's the problem when you pray is you might be the answer. God might send you. When you pray, God sends somebody. He might say, awesome, you're it. Oh, man, I shouldn't have prayed that. should have said somebody else. But when they went out, there's one time when they come back, and they come back and they start telling him how even demons responded to the name of Jesus. And Jesus, the Bible says Jesus rejoiced. Now, I, you know, he's a, he's a I mean, when you read about, uh, like in the Hebrew, the different words for rejoice, some of those words that they use in the Old Testament for rejoice are like spin around and jump and, you know, I mean, or shout. You know, it, I don't believe that, that, that Jesus kind of just like chuckled on the inside. I believe he, he, he flipped out in a good way. And it says, he said to them, first of all, he thanked God. But then he said to them, he said, I saw Satan falling like lightning. We sang that earlier. He said, I saw Satan falling like lightning. And the, the, the tense in the Greek is not like, I saw him one time fall, for, fall like lightning. It was like, I saw him falling. So you could say, well, was he talking about, was he talking about when Satan fell from heaven? I, you could say that, or you could say this, that he saw, as he sent those disciples out as arrows, he saw those targets get knocked down. Boom, 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 boom. I saw, as I sent you out, Satan falling like lightning. Something happened when I sent you out. And for us, that, 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 that's the thing. We know that God's sending us out. But do we believe we have something to give? You know, I think for, the, for a lot of us, the challenge is either we think that God is asking for us to give too much, and we don't have it, or it's too little, and it seems small. You ever read the story of the, the little boy with a basket, fish and loaves? Jesus had, his cousin had just died, he just wanted to get away and be by himself and spend time with the father. So he says, go find me an isolated place. Crowds find out where he's going and they chase him all around the sea. He's supposed to be on vacation, but instead he finds a crowd waiting for him. And on the other side of the sea, they're there waiting for him. 
And he looks at them and he feels compassion for them because they're like sheep without a shepherd and distressed and, and worn out. And he begins to teach them. And he spends so much time teaching them that the Bible says, he says at one point, if I send them home now, they're going to faint on the way home. Like, that's how hungry they are. We, we go like 45 minutes and we're like, mm. They went for like three days, and he's like, his, Jesus' concern was that if I send them home without food, they'll die on the way home. Like, they may not die, but they'll fall down. And so he said, what can we do? He, and he said to the disciples, you guys need to feed these people. One of the disciples said, well, where, where are we going to get food? Who would have this much food? You told us to take the boat where nobody would be. We did that. The problem is there's no McDonald's. Like, there's nothing. You told us to find an isolated place. Check. We didn't know the crowds were crazy. We didn't know the paparazzi would be here. So here we are. And so Jesus says, will you feed them? I said, we don't have anything. And then you hear that. You read, how about this little boy? Well, we don't know who's little, but a boy. Comes with a basket with just some fish and some bread. There are 5,000 men in their families. He brings a basket of fish and bread and says, here you go. When I read that story, I see why it had to be a kid. Because you know what adults think? Adults are embarrassed to bring that little to Jesus. We're embarrassed. We say, there are thousands of people that need food. How stupid do I look bringing a basket? Here you go. I feel stupid. I feel useless. I don't feel like this matters. But a kid just says, I have something. Here it is. Kids have that faith where they just say, you just asked if anybody had anything in here. I've got something. They don't, they don't reason in their head, well, it's not enough. You're going to look dumb. I was at a baseball game with my brother-in-law in Philadelphia, and we, we were like right on the third base line. And we were just a few rows back. And, and uh, um, <laughs> one, I forgot who it was, but somebody was up to bat. And the bat broke, and a piece of that bat flew in, and, and just, a, just right in front of us, hit this lady right in the chest, and like skewered her. And so, you know, immediately they've got stadium doctors coming, and there's people coming, and the doctors are, are, are you know, taking care of her. It turns out she was okay. It wasn't super deep, but, I mean, she, she was looking not so great for a while. And I, we see this man come down from the top. He comes down from the top like the nose bleeds, and he's running, and he's trying to get through, and the security's stopping him, and they're like, do you know this woman? He goes, I don't know her. And he, she, they say, well, what are, you, what are you doing? What do you want? He goes, I have a hot dog for her. <laughs> like, well, that's exactly, oh, man, what do we think about the healing power of a hot dog? Man, he's like, I have a hot dog. You ever felt like that? You've ever felt like I want to do something, but I don't know what I got? I've got a hot dog. So we look at that guy and go, man, are you a grown-up that thinks that that's going to help? But maybe there's that, a little bit of that attitude in that child that says, I've got a basket. And everybody looks and says, that's really dumb. There are 5,000 men in their families. But he says, I have a basket, and here it is. You know how many times we just stop from giving what we've got to God because it seems insignificant, it seems small. And what I love about what Jesus did is he takes the basket and he gives thanks for it. How many times have you given thanks for something God gave you that was way less than what you needed at the moment? 
Jesus give thanks for it. He didn't say, Father, that's a funny joke. Good one. He said, thank you. Then he blessed it. Then he put it back in the hands of the disciples. And through their hands, this miracle took place. As they broke the bread, another half grew. As they broke the fish, the head grew a tail, a tail grew, the head, a head grew a tail, a tail grew a head. I don't know if that's exactly how it happened. That's how I envision it. But a miracle happened through their hands. Because somebody said, this is way too small, but I'll give it to Jesus. We have to believe in the power of a seed in God's hands. This is not enough, but in God's hands, it is. He didn't ask me to figure it out. He didn't ask me to do the math. He didn't ask me to calculate how he was going to do it. How many of you have done that? If I do this, Lord, will you do this? And we, we, we just finished the picture in our head. How many times has God started to paint a picture of your life and said, you know, here's what I want to do. And we grab the paintbrush and go, I get it. And we grab it and then we try to finish it. And then we're disappointed when he doesn't do it like we thought. Beautiful thing about a child is he doesn't try to figure all that out. He just gives it. The other side is we think it's too much. God, you're asking too much. I don't have that. You ever read about Peter and John at the temple? And there's that lame man who's been asking for money from people that, that come by. And, and he, he asks, he's been lame since birth. He's never been able to walk. And he asks Peter and John, hey, can you give me some money? And Peter looks at him, and, and he doesn't ignore him like we would do so many times when we don't have anything to give. You know, when you have something, you're happy. You're like, hey, buddy, here you go. But you know, you ever felt guilty in a, in a city, and somebody's asking for something, you don't have it, and you really don't want to have that conversation. You're in a hurry. Instead, Peter and John look at him, and they say, we don't have any silver or gold, but what we have, we're going to give to you. I'm stumped. I just read that over and over again. What we have, what we have, we're going to give to you. He didn't say, let me pray. Let me ask, let me, just, let me just put my hand on you for a minute. He said, what I have, I'm going to give to you. Peter and John had such a revelation of the mission Jesus gave them. In Mark 16, when he sent them out and said, here's what you're going to do in my name, and all those different other places where he sent them out in his name, they had such a revelation of that that they didn't just say, well, we're going to pray for you. They said, we have something for you. We have something. How? They knew they weren't Jesus. They knew they were carrying his name. And in fact, when they're questioned later, by whose authority did you heal this man? They said, it wasn't by our own piety. It wasn't our holiness. It wasn't our goodness that healed this man. It was the name of Jesus. Peter, Peter took his credit right off. He said, it wasn't me. It was Jesus. And by that name, this man walks. I love what Peter did. What we have, we give to you. And he grabs the man's hand. Guys, let me just say, if someone is paralyzed and you grab their hand and you yank them up and they're not going to walk when you're done, you're asking for a lawsuit. Like, Peter, Peter, you know what we would do? We'd be like, we, you know, we're in an airport or something and we feel the Lord saying, you need to pray for that person. We would just kind of like, in the name of Jesus, 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 Lord, heal him, Lord, Jesus. Are you touching me? No, no, I'm not. I'm sorry. Jesus, Lord, send a laborer into their path. God, send us. 
Peter is so confident in what he has. I have something. How many of you have said that? I have something. No, here's what we often say. I don't have, oh man, I don't have it. You know what? Somebody else has got it. Let me take you to someone who's got it. No, Peter says, I, we have something for you in the name of Jesus. What we have is the name of Jesus. What we have is everything he is. What we have is the fullness of Christ. What we have is the spirit of God. What we have, we're going to give to you. I want to just bring it to a close with this other story that you might be familiar with in Matthew chapter 5. You know the story of the crazy guy who lived in the tombs? If you don't, let me catch you up. There was a man in the place uh, called Decapolis, which means 10 cities. This was a place where there was a lot of uh, compromise. Uh, It had become very uh, westernized. It had become very Greek in many ways. Uh, So a lot of the Jews there were seen as kind of backsliders. In fact, uh, a lot of scholars will tell you that they believe that that when uh, the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son went to a far-off land. Many scholars believe that that far-off land was this region of Decapolis. This is where, uh, you know, the people of Galilee would have looked across the sea and said, these people, they don't. They don't follow the true God. They're backslidden. They're, they're, they're compromised. They're Greeks. You know, they haven't, they haven't held true to the, gospel or to, the, to the teaching of God. But in this place, there was a man who was possessed, we find out, by many demons. And he would run around naked in the tombs. So that's creepy. We'd all agree. Crazy naked guy in the tombs, right? Already creepy. And he would scream at night, and he would cut himself. And you think about the agony that this man is in. And what do they do? They chain him. They chain him up at night to try to keep him from coming into town. Because this is what we do when we don't know how to handle people. When we don't know how to handle people with problems, we just try to keep them away from us. They try to restrain him, and he kept breaking the chains because... There was some sort of supernatural strength on this guy. You know, in their culture, there was a belief that there might be people in the society that you put your sin on, that that all the demons of our cities are going on this guy. And in a sense, he served a purpose to them. They certainly didn't see him as a human. And Jesus calls him, this, or this man falls at Jesus' feet. The disciples almost killed themselves trying to get there. Jesus says, go to the other side. There's a storm. They almost die. They finally get to the other side, and this man is the first man they meet, and he falls at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus says, what's your name? And a demon interrupts and says, I'm Legion. And he says, okay, well, you know, get out. Uh, That's my Cliff Notes version. But what happens is the man is completely delivered of all these spirits. And the Bible says they give him clothes, they give him some food. He's sitting there clothed and in his right mind. I want you to see this in Matthew 5, 14. Their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and the country. And the people came to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed, sitting down, clothed and in his right mind. The very man who had the legion. And they became frightened. Like they're living with crazy naked tomb dude. But what frightens them is he's wearing clothes now. And he seems to be doing fine. Like 
That's the bedtime story we're going to tell our kids if we really want to freak them out. You remember Crazy Naked Guy? Yeah, Crazy Naked Guy. We all know him. Yeah, but he's clothed now. What? And he's totally sane. What? Clothing in his right mind. And it says, and those who had, they became frightened, and those who had seen it described how, what had happened to this man and, and what had happened to the swine, because Jesus cast these spirits into a bunch of pigs. And they began to implore him, beg Jesus to leave their region. Isn't that crazy? Like they're begging Jesus, please leave, after he heals a man. The disciples are thinking, we, killed our, we almost killed ourselves to get here. And we have to leave? I mean, if you've ever, so when I first started pastoring, most of the people in my church had been sexually abused in some way. Most of them had been alcoholics or drug addicts in some form. And what I found when you're dealing with someone who's coming out of addiction or some serious issues is um, once they get, start to come to health and recovery, sometimes the family structure that they're in breaks down because the families put all their problems on this person. It's all this person's fault. And when that person gets better, they don't really know what to do. They don't know how to function. So there's like Al-Anon and some of those organizations actually have programs for families whose family members are in recovery so you can learn how to reorient your family because you've lived so long putting all your problems on this person that you don't know what to do when they're better. This whole city didn't know how to function with this man being better. They're freaked out that he's, that he's in his right mind. They're freaked out by the power Jesus has. And they beg Jesus to leave. You know what Jesus says? Sure. He gets in his boat. As he's getting in the boat, the man who'd been demon-possessed was imploring him, begging him that he might accompany him. And Jesus did not let him. Why not? Can you imagine being this man? I mean, these people every day chained you to tombs. You screamed for help. You cried out, and they chain you up. They beat you up. They teach their children to be afraid of you, and you're supposed to stay here? Although the only thing, there's one man who showed me compassion. There's one man who showed me love and mercy. I just want to go with him. And Jesus says, no. Jesus, the loving shepherd. Jesus, the great healer. Jesus says, no. What does he say? Go home to your people. And report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And this man went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. What does this man have? What does this man have? All he's got is like a couple hours with Jesus. He went from being crazy naked guy to being the man who's been healed. And all he's got is the testimony, like we sang today. What he's got is a testimony of what the Lord did for him and how he had mercy on him. He doesn't have five years of Bible school. He doesn't have a deep theological understanding. He doesn't even, he hadn't even heard the parables of Jesus. He hasn't heard any of this stuff. All he's got is, the Lord did something great for me. And he showed mercy on me. And this man is the first missionary to Decapolis. And the next time Jesus shows up in Decapolis, a great crowd met him on the shore. Where'd that crowd come from? A big part had to do with this guy. Now, what kind of excuse can we come up with now? 
All this guy had was one story of what Jesus did for him. What do you have? What do you have? Probably more than that. Now, you may not have the intense story that he has. If you do, I'd like to, we'd like to talk to you after and see what your story is. As long as you're clothed and in your right mind now. If not, Pastor Harrison's going to pray for you somewhere else. But what do we have? Because what Peter and John said, what we have, we give to you. Jesus said, freely you've received, now freely give it away. You've got something to give, friends. And I think, I think this, is the, this is the time where we have to just say the city needs to be full of Jesus. How many times have we said, man, Canada needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. We almost say it dismissively, like they're just so messed up. What do you expect when you say that? What do you expect to happen? That Jesus is going to come down and live here for a bit? Or do you believe that when we say the world needs Jesus, what we're really saying is the world needs the church? And what the world needs is a church full of Jesus. So I want you to pray with me today. In fact, if you'd stand up, I'm going to trust, I'm going to pray that what God has done in us, that you'd be able to freely receive. Listen, if you have put so many boundaries on what Jesus can do in your life. You know, Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, you're not held back by us, you're held back by your own affection. He said, open wide, we've opened wide to you, so just open wide to us. You ever consider what may be holding you back as you've been so closed off, you haven't really fully opened up? If you can learn how to freely receive, you can learn how to freely give. If you ever met somebody that loves to give money away, they don't mind receiving money either because they just so love giving it away. They don't feel guilty about receiving because they love to give. If you ever, ever notice someone who knows they've been forgiven a lot, they forgive freely. Someone who's been greatly loved, they love freely. Someone who's been healed in a mighty way, they just can't wait to lay their hands on you. See, when you learn how to freely receive, you know how to freely give. And maybe what God has asked of you seems way too big. But that's exactly the way he likes to work. I mean, he's not going to ask something of you that is in your realm of possibility. He's going to ask, he's going to tell you, my grace is sufficient for you. I, I can do this. I just want to use you. Or maybe what God has asked of you, you have, but it seems way too small because you've despised the seed. You've, you've thought small of the seed, but God is saying, just give me the seed. Just give me the loaves and fish. Watch what I do. In the book of Acts, there are moments where Peter or Philip will be talking and then all of a sudden it says, out of the blue, they opened up their mouth and began to speak. Like right in the middle of their conversation, they opened their mouth and began to speak. And what's happening there is they've already been talking, but in that moment, God is giving them the words to say. Paul said, I pray, pray for me that utterance would be given to me in the opening of my mouth. Some of you need to open your mouth that God would fill it. Jesus told us someday they'll put you on trial. They'll put you before their courts, but I want you to make up your mind beforehand not to prepare a defense for yourself. For in that hour, I'll give you my words. You need to know God's got words for you to say. Maybe you've been 
wrestling in your head. This conversation you want to have with your friend and what you're thinking is, I'll address all their concerns and all their arguments, but what God is saying is, will you just let me talk through you and love through you? What if instead of preparing your argument, what if instead of preparing the conversation beforehand, what if instead you just prayed and just let God do what God does? What if you stepped into your sphere, whatever that is, and said, I have something? Can you have the confidence to say, I have something? Not the confidence in yourself, the confidence in Jesus. I have something for you. What I have, I'm going to give to you. Whether it's a word, whether it's prayer, whether it's healing, whether it's support, whether it's deliverance, whether it's love, whether it's money, whatever it is, saying, I have something for you, but it's not me, it's Jesus. So today, I want you to just lift your hands and we're gonna let God pour out on us. I know this is different than the way we normally do it. I don't know how you normally do it, but for us, a lot of times we'll lay hands on people, we'll pray for people, but I really believe this is a moment that some of you need to say yes to some things you've been saying no to. And I know that feeling. I said no to all the best things God's ever done in my life. Thank God he's persistent because every good thing he's ever done in my life, I had to say no like three times before I said yes. So would you just say yes to God? Maybe you've passed that guy who was begging for something and you said, I don't have anything for you. What you didn't realize, you do have something for him. Maybe you've said, somebody else can fill this role, but God continually has been putting it on your heart. You do it. You step up. Maybe you've been praying, Lord, send somebody. And God keeps saying, okay, but it's you. Maybe you're just as qualified as the first missionary to Decapolis. And you've got one story of what God's done, and that's enough. Watch what God can do with the seed. Your job is to put it in the ground. Let him do the miracle. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for my friends. God, I pray that every barrier we've put up between us and you, every barrier and limit of what we can, how we can be used, what we have, how many times we have not judged ourselves by the spirit, but we've judged ourselves by the flesh. Lord, you said to do so would be the same as treating you like just any other man. But because we don't see you as another, just a human, we see you as the, the risen son of God. Now we don't know each other after the flesh, but after the spirit. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old things have passed away, but pay attention, he says. Behold this, new things. And I I know some of you right now need to embrace the new things. Your testimony is more than just the old things that passed away. Your testimony, here's what you behold, the new things that have come. So freely receive right now. Would you freely receive? Oh, Lord, would you pour out freely on our people? Pour out freely. Pour out freely for those that are saying yes to you. For those that are saying, yes, Lord, I will stop saying no. I will stop resisting. I will stop saying no, I can't. No, I'm not. No, I don't have. I will begin to say, yes, Lord, you can do it. And if you want to use me, use me. Yes, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord. For everyone that's saying that, God, pour out, pour out a f- just a free, free-flowing abundance of grace on them. 
Jesus' name. We surrender to you, Lord. We fully give you our everything. And what we have, we're going to give away. So friends, I don't want you to ever say, I don't have it. Or I'm not that person. How many times have you said that? I've said that a lot. I'm not that guy. (sighs) We were at a gathering. Pastor Harrison was there. We were at a gathering a few weeks ago. And I literally in the car said to my friends, I'm not that guy. And it was something that God had been pushing us to do. And I was like, well, I'm not that guy. And that night, the Lord, like, rebuked me, corrected me, and said, you need to apologize to your friends. Tell them, I shouldn't have said I'm not that guy. Because I want to use you in this area, and you keep saying no to me. So the next morning, we're driving to the, the church. And I said to my friends, I have to apologize. I said, I'm not that guy. But the Lord said, I can't say that anymore. In that very service, this other person has a word from God. He has a prophetic word over us. And he looks at me and he goes, you need to stop saying you're not that guy. (laughs) I know. I already apologized for that. It was like God just read my mail. We think we're being humble, but Christ-centered humility. See, self-centered humility says, I can't do that. I'm not enough. I'm too small. Christ-centered humility says, I can do nothing without you but all things are possible through you. Don't use self-centered humility. It kills. Christ-centered humility will give you the confidence in him to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I love you, Kingdom Church. Thanks for having us this morning. Thank you, Pastor Harrison. I love you a lot. God bless you. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We hope that message encouraged and inspired you. If you want more information, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.